Last time on Brindlewood Bay, our mavens investigated the crime scene and interrogated Chin Idea, the victim's twin sister, as well as Isabel, the local bookshop owner. They discover that Zoa has overcommitted himself to the operations of the Mr. Excellent fleet of ships, and they encounter Edgar, the ship's extremely superstitious engineer. I am your keeper, Jen De La Vega. Welcome back to Brindlewood Bay. Let's go to opening credits. We again fade into drone camera footage slowly circling an island, not unlike your Nantuckets or Martha's Vineyards or Vashon Islands, you know. Interspersed with visuals of landmarks, we get snapshots of our mavens in the midst of their cozy activity. Bijan, can you please go first this time? Uh, please reintroduce the name of your character and what are they doing in these opening credits? Yeah, Hyacinth Carter is back on her grind. She's she's gotten her groove back. We see her doing um, extreme pottery. So she's <laughs> on top of a mountain and there's a beautiful view of a valley and the ocean beyond it. And she's up there with her pottery wheel that she's packed in and she's going to pack out because you leave no trace. So she's throwing clay on a wheel, enjoying the sunset, you know. And this is just something she does. She doesn't tell anybody about it. That is retirement. That is so nice. <laughs> she's wearing comfortable shoes and a Damn. nice scarf. Oh, my God. Uh, can you also give me an antics scene where you both are investigating something? Yeah. They're investigating a, a mystery involving an oversized bird feeder, a, a birdhouse. <laughs> so uh, Hyacinth is peeking out of the hole right over Maxine's shoulder because Maxine is perched on the le the little lip, the, 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 the ledge of it, the, where the birds stand. Oh my God, yes. All right, Shannon, uh, <laughs> please reintroduce your character and uh, what is she doing in the opening credits? Yeah, so we open on a campground you know, a lot of camp activities are, are going on. And then we see Maxine kind of lounging out on, on the dock, laughing as kids jump in the water next to her. And then we cut to, again, everyone is uh, kind of like, you know, getting ready for uh, going to sleep uh, in their sleeping bags. And um, a truck kind of rolls by to reveal Maxine plugged into a giant generator in the middle of the forest, <laughs> blow drying her hair. That rules. <laughs> Can you give us a, a scene where you both are in investigating something else? Sure. Maxine and Hyacinth are in a giant doghouse. There's a doghouse that uh, is being investigated. And you see them looking at the paw prints, trying to make sense because the paw prints, you know, they all they do is lead to a tree. And you see both of them look up, and there's the dog on the perch tree. How'd it get up there? They laugh about it. <laughs> they laugh and pose. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Um, Maxine and Hyacinth are hurriedly lacing up ice skates at the local hockey rink. Uh, can you each roll a D6, please? Two. One. Oh, no. <laughs> one, one is terrible at skating, and six is excellent, so... <laughs> 
Uh, Hyacinth is slightly better. She can get on her feet, but Maxine is clearly holding on for dear life, trying not to fall as you both get onto the ice. You are heading for the hockey coach who has a whistle in his mouth and he's holding a clipboard. He is turned away from you. And as you try to approach him and tap him on the shoulder, a kitty hockey team barrels toward both of you. Whoa, 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 and they sweep you away in the other direction. Ah! <laughs> and you both laugh and pose <laughs> on the ice. And you do that cute thing where you, um, you know, blow air up into your bangs. You're like, <sighs> oh, of course. <laughs> yes. Finally, at the end of the opening credits, they're on Maxine's patio with piles of mystery books and cups of tea, Earl Grey, and English breakfast, of course. <laughs> Okay, you are standing on the stern side or the back of the boat watching Edgar row off. He is rumbling to himself, bobbing up and down slowly in the water. He's not going very fast, so it looks like you have about four hours before he's probably going to come back. Uh, Zoa excuses himself to try to fiddle with the radio again, and I'd like to take a moment to remind the Mavens about how they're feeling Maxine, remember that you are a bit dizzy because you are nauseated. And Hyacinth, you're still a little shocked from getting hit in the noggin by a bunch of sheet pans. <laughs> and as a reminder, these conditions do not clear until you engage with your cozy activity. So keep that in mind. So as you are looking out at the water, you hear somebody behind you. Shin is standing at the doorway to the lounge with a serious look on her face. And... Merlin, the doofy-looking black cat, sniffs the air. He walks toward her. It looks like he's about to let her pet him. But he veers away, choosing to stalk a seagull perched on the railing. And she doesn't notice. But you both do. That means she's a bad person. Ah, did either of you make a mess of my kitchen? And Chin is sharpening a knife. <laughs> Dearie. We've uh, been in many kitchens before. I know how not to make a mess of one. There were pans everywhere, and like cookie cutters, I sorted them last week, and they were just all over the floor. Oh, uh, I hate it when my kitchen is out of order. Hyacinth points at Merlin and shrugs. Who let that cat on here? I think he let himself in. That's Merlin. Too many things are going wrong today. Ah. <sighs> uh. You seem stressed. Why don't I help you out in the kitchen? Shall I? Help? I don't need any help. Please, please. I once played a a star chef in a sitcom. It never went to air. It got killed in the pilot. But please, let me help you. And if you're wondering what the name of the show was, it was called... She's back and she's got a pan. <laughs> and it was not, it was not a sequel to anything. So that's kind of why we didn't really get an audience. But didn't you say it tested well for quadrants? It really did. So we were kind of surprised. Chin looks you up and down and she's like, I guess, uh, come on in. 
and uh, you both head back into the dining room. And as you pass the stage area, she tells you, I couldn't bear to look at Astra's face like that, so I covered her up. And sure enough, uh, Astra's body is now covered with a maroon tablecloth and no one is going near the dining room. Like all the guests are pretty freaked out and uh, staying away. Uh, Hyacinth is going to break off here. Maxine, I think I think I need a drink. It's been a long day. Mm. And uh, we've seen we've seen a lot. Uh, Will you be okay in the kitchen alone? Yes, yes, I I should be fine, but that's a good idea. Go get a drink. And she winks really, really uh, large, (laughs) (laughs) non-inconspicuously at you. Uh, Hyacinth returns the wink and says, (laughs) I like to think I know my way around a martini. Uh, We're going to follow Maxine into the galley with Chin. Chin has one of those really... um, long sharpening steels and she is still sharpening the knife as you walk but it's not dangerous she you hear this little shing 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 she's like so what kind of experience did you have in a kitchen set well again it's it was a short experience because again we were canceled in the pilot but i like to think i know my way around a kitchen and maxine goes over to the stove's and says, this gas or electric? <laughs> it's gas. And Chin sort of turns a dial to show you. Like you can hear the hiss. And then it flames up. And then she turns it off and rolls her eyes. She's like babysitting <laughs> you, basically. Ah, yes, gas. Nice. And she kind of like <laughs> leans back on the table. She goes, so it's been a pretty difficult day for you, hasn't it? Yeah, I don't think. People know how much work goes into a brunch cruise. You have to wake up so early to finish all the food. And it's not something that you can prepare at night. And you, I mean, I imagine you and your sister have worked here for a while. Oh, yeah. All our lives. All your lives. We were born into the Mr. Excellent Empire. Oh, really? So your parents also were part of it? Mm-hmm. My father was the chef and our mother was the singer. Oh, I had no idea. So that must be tough. It's just you and your sister and now your sister's gone. Yes. And she puts the knife away and it clicks very loudly onto a a magnetic strip on the wall. (laughs) It it sounds dangerous when she does it. It goes... And uh, she just... uh, She lowers her shoulders. She's like, sorry, I overreacted earlier. I... I just don't know how to deal with this. This is, this is too much. It is a lot. And, you know, now, I mean, with the Mr. Excellent Empire in trouble because of the bankruptcy, what will you do? She looks out a porthole. <laughs> well, I've always dreamed of uh, opening a restaurant on land. Huh. It's, it's pretty tough to manage everything you have to secure here. Always have to lock the fridge. Always have to make sure nothing is going to fall down because the boat could stop at any moment like it did earlier. I mean, I fell on top of the dessert cart and she points to all the stains on her chef cone. Maxine is half listening as she kind of is looking around the kitchen. Does she see anything out of place? 
it is spick and span. She has cleaned up all the cookie cutters from the ground. Um, it's alarmingly orderly in there. Everything is labeled very meticulously. Things are nested very satisfyingly, like containers are in the right, like nesting doll order. And there is a clipboard hanging on a pin behind her. Uh, Maxine walks over to Chin and goes, and and the clipboard's behind, behind Mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. She goes, Chin, wait, hold still. I think, I think I see something in your eye. Something might have gotten in there. My eye? Yes. What? what? So uh, are you, you're not using anything to do this. So uh, roll 2d6. Okay. And then add your appropriate skill. Could I maybe use presence? Trying to charm someone. Yeah, I would say presence. Yeah. Okay, sweet. I got eight plus one, which is nine. Yeah. Great. That's Did you a get a hit. Clue? You got a hell yeah. Yeah. Hell that's yeah. right. Uh, a hit with a complication, of course. <laughs> oh. That's fine. You know what? That's okay. Still a clue. That's okay. Um, can you roll me a d20 real quick? Yes. 15. 15. Awesome. So you are looking at her checklists, mm. which are very orderly. It's very much like the kitchen. It's like spreadsheet style, color coded. But there is a hastily written sequence of numbers Ooh. in the margin. Do I remember what they are? You just might remember that it, it's just very out of order for her. I see. I see. Because everything seems to be so neat. Mm-hmm. What is it? Do you, what, do you see it? I don't Ooh, feel I ho- anything. I hope it's not glass. Ooh, that could glass. be. I would feel glass. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, you know what? I think it might just. Nope, there's nothing. It was just a little piece of dust on your eyelash. Uh-huh. And with that, uh, we cut to Hyacinth, who is approaching the bar. And this is at the bow of the boat or the front side, you know, the Titanic side, where <laughs> the beautiful side. And there are a number of guests kind of drowning their uh, their boredom and their anxiety because 25 people are stuck on this boat. 24, actually, because, well, 23, I'm sorry. <laughs> Edgar has left and uh, I was counting Aster earlier. Yes, Hyacinth is approaching the bar, and uh, a guest has just taken their drink from Yele and made a space for you. Uh, yeah, Hyacinth sidles up to Yele and says, Yele, was it? Yes. Oh, madam, I was looking for you. Oh, me? (laughs) Why? You had asked for a blood orange uh, mimosa, or was it? It was a Bellini, but I I think that was before the unfortunate events. I think I... I need something a little bit stronger now. (laughs) Ah, and he understands what you mean. He sort of uh, takes away the placard. There's a placard on the bar that says one free drink with your ticket stub because you need to upgrade to the wristband. But he's just doesn't care anymore because everybody's stuck on the boat. As he does that, you notice a few things about him. He is a ruggedly handsome bartender of 60s ish. (laughs) 
And as he moves, you can see under his maroon collared shirt around the neckline and around the cuffs, you can see that he is tattooed all the way up and down. Ma'am, pick your poison. <clears throat> I would love a gin martini. Up with whatever your favorite gin is and a lemon twist. Easy on the vermouth. Wonderful choice. And he winks at you. <laughs> he winks back. And uh, he clarifies, shaken or stirred? Whichever you prefer. Right. He goes on to make your drink. As he works, Genevieve walks up to you. Oh, Hyacinth, this is entirely too stressful. Oh, Genevieve, I know. We were supposed to be on the shore already. Oh, it was the most wonderful meal. Oh, but... I can't believe it. I've never seen... Uh, uh, um, people are saying murder. Well, murder's a legal term, but we do know that a person is dead. Yes, I heard so much about this this Aster, Miss Aster. She was supposedly the best singer of all the fleets. And where, where did you hear that? This is my first time on the ship. I, I don't know anything about this. Uh, Maxine just wanted us to go. Oh, I see. I, I've been on these maybe two or three times. And, well, you know, sometimes the entertainment can be a little cheesy. <laughs> but this was fantastic. I was having a great time on the dance floor. Sorry to hear <sighs> about the dance floor. Uh, so tell me, what? Um, how, how have you been otherwise? What's going on with you? Oh, you know, always keeping busy. I have my weekly appointment with Maxine to uh, give her a blowout. Uh, and then I still I still DJ at night and consult with, um, you know, the defense contractor still. And, uh, you know, I have a few rental homes on the cove. <laughs> it's hard to keep track. You have so much energy. And she kind of tilts her head at you like, whatever do you mean? <laughs> She's a little clueless. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, Hyacinth wants to end this conversation but doesn't know how. I would say this is a risky day move. <laughs> what do you fear will happen if you fail this role? That she'll just stay there <laughs> and keep talking because Hyacinth <laughs> wants to talk to Yele. You are facing something you fear, which is conversation with somebody you don't really care about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what's going on here. Um, Roll me 2d6, please. Okay, yep. That is nine. Oh, nice. Yes. Awesome. So you go through with it, and you hold steady, and Genevieve, very luckily see somebody behind you She's like, oh george 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 is here oh wonderful hi i'm gonna catch up with you again later and that is your vulnerability that she's gonna try to find you again later that's fine <laughs> just as long as it's not now just in the nick of time uh yele is done with your drink he serves it to you a very ice cold martini glass with that lemon twist. It's beautiful. Perfect twist, by the way. It's a Meyer lemon, too. Ah, perfect. Uh, yeah, she, she takes a, a sip, a long, deserved sip. And he raises his eyebrows at you for uh, your feedback. 
Perfect. Thank you, Yeller. So very welcome. Can I ask you some questions? Me? Yes, you. How long have you been working here? I mean, and have you ever seen anything like this? Oh, I've been with uh, this particular boat for 12 years. Started in my 50s, but, you know, I've always been loyal to the Adia family. Oh, did you work with them before? Before your 50s? Oh, yes. Uh, senior and Mrs. They ran this boat. And Mrs. They hired me. What were you doing before? Well, I, I've always been a bartender of sorts. But perhaps in places where I shouldn't have been a bartender. Uh, Hyacinth winks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he looks down and, and nods a little bit, but smiles. Yeah, we, we were all young once. Truly. So did you know uh, Aster well? He he sort of uh, bristles at this because it's it just happened. Like, she just died. And um, he starts to look a little uncomfortable. It's like, well, yeah, for the 12 years that I've worked on this boat, I've known Aster, seen her grow and mature. You look a little greener on the gills. I understand it. It's very fresh. Should I make you a drink? <laughs> I was a bartender once. Actually, you know, no one's ever asked me that. And he, he grins as he takes off his uh, apron and moves from behind the bar and lets you through. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she takes the apron from him and puts it on and she's she feels comfortable. She's she's you know, <laughs> she's done this before. She's done this kind of thing before in a, a long forgotten past. But her she remembers what what it's like, what to do. Miss Carter, was it? Yes, Hyacinth. You can call me Hyacinth. Hyacinth. What'll it be, Yele? Wow, I like your style. I'll have a salty dog. <laughs> a classic. Fitting for a man who works on the water. I don't really like it sweet. Gin or vodka? What do you think? Gin, obviously. He's like, he kind of turns away to look at the sunset and he's just smiling because you you are charming the hell out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's, she's bustling around. She's doing the thing. She's, she finds the highball glasses chilling in the fridge and she's looking around for the grapefruit juice. While you're at it, are you snooping? Uh, yes. She, but she is kind of idle. She doesn't think she's going to find anything at the bar, but yeah, she'll, she's, she's looking around. She's, you know, beneath the sink looking in the cabinets. So maybe she sees, she's looking through the, uh, Maybe there's cleaning products down there. Seeing, seeing mm-hmm. if she sees any, any specific uh, poisons. This is a very professional metal. I have to say, this is very good. <laughs> <laughs> Offering a bartender to make them a drink is is so yes. good. Um, but please roll me two d six. And because this was such a good move, um, let's give you advantage. Roll three d six, actually. Wow! All right. And take your two highest. Oh, you're not going to believe what I just rolled. 18. Three sixes. 18? Okay, no, so you're 12. You got a 12. Oh, so it's 12. Okay, yeah. So 12 plus your presence score. Presence is zero. Oh, okay. Okay, so you got a 12. Critical success. All right, so on a 12, you are going to discover a void clue, which is a... very special, specific set of clues that I've written for this mystery. (laughs) I'm so excited for you. (laughs) (laughs) 
another set of clues. Jen, what are you talking about? Well, uh, this is from the rulebook. Brindlewood Bay is geographically and historically significant to a dark cult called the Midwives of the Fragrant Void. At the start of the game, the Mavens don't know anything about the Midwives, but they as players and we as our listeners and viewers, we know they are a Hellenic death cult of men and women dedicated to bringing forth the children of Persephone, chthonic monstrosities that will usher in the end of all things. As the game progresses, the Mavens will become ever more aware of the supernatural connections between the murders they are investigating, and will eventually come to understand the role of the midwives of the Fragrant Void. They may begin to dabble in the occult in order to combat the dark forces arrayed against them, come face to face with a child of Persephone, or even be tempted to join the midwives themselves. So, for your reference, they have clues for the mystery they are solving at hand right now in the boat, and they also can gather clues towards the larger mystery happening in Brindlewood Bay. And the only way to get a void clue so far in this game is to score a critical success of 12 or above on a meddling move, which Bijan has just done. Um, can you roll me a d6? Five. So you are standing in the middle of the bow, which is the front center of the boat. And as you are fiddling around down there, a bird crashes into the window next to you. And it's startling because three more birds do the same thing. Whoa. Ooh. One after the other, you hear this terrible squawk and crash. And they all three land dead at your feet. <gasps> uh, what? what? What kind of birds are they? Um, they're seagulls. They're big. Jesus Christ, what kind of bar do you keep here, Yele? Uh, Yele has gotten out of his stool and is reaching over the bar. Ma'am, are you okay? No, well, they didn't hit me. <laughs> Just the window. I've never seen that before. Those birds look like they meant to hit you. And a few people are, are freaked out because there are feathers flying in the air. They're backing away. Hyacinth shoes the feathers away from the drinks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, she, she pours the, the salty dog uh, and hands it to you. Cheers to these guys. Uh, he unbuttons his first uh, button on his shirt and is just like, uh, yeah, I guess. And he takes a really long swig because that was alarming. Yeah, Hyacinth is uh, is unflappable. She hasn't seen this before, but she's like, yeah, okay, it's birds. <laughs> so as you clink glasses, we cut back to Chin and Maxine. And Chin is like sighing heavily because Maxine has not stopped talking. <laughs> And the show, I just can't believe because we also had a starring man who had a, a long running sitcom. I don't know if you know of him. Um, his name is uh, Tom Banks. Um, oh, very I, famous actor. Oh, I, ha I have to be really honest with you. Yes. I just don't watch a lot of television. What? I <laughs> literally so can't sorry. understand that. You don't Are watch you like television? 
famous or something? <laughs> yes, dear, I am. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> and she um pulls out like a flip phone. Like <laughs> she's like, I'm sort of behind on the times. I mean, I've grown up on boats my whole life. So, <laughs> well, no worries. I'll send you a couple links or maybe DVDs, VHSs. <laughs> she looks at you funny. DVDs? Uh, well, actually, I was about to say that I should be prepping for the next boat ride tomorrow, but I, I, I'm I, really afraid that we're just not going to have one. Yeah, I don't think this boat is going to sail again soon, so you may have to work on that restaurant plan of yours. I wish. I really don't make much even though i save everything i i don't i don't have the you know, what do they call it the the, the capital uh to mm. do that i just i don't know it's been a dream i just wish Aster was going to help me oh she was yeah i don't know what's going to happen now was that the plan that you and Aster were going to maybe one day stop working on this boat i mean i and she looks around kind of ominously at, at the ceiling and kind of out the window and past your shoulders. Like, I, I, I shouldn't say this too loud, but yeah. Hmm. Did you ever tell anyone about this plan? I, and you feel sort of like a presence behind both of you. Like she's looking mm. toward the entryway and you mm. feel somebody had just passed really quickly. Like somebody <sighs> just walked by. And she, she like freezes. I, I shouldn't say anymore. Um, Maxine goes, copy that. And she kind of runs out to try to chase whoever maybe just passed by. Sure thing. Um, you are going to loop around the other side toward the bar area. So you are on the starboard side behind the stage. So you're the, it's the outer hallway that goes outside. So, um... It's a person in a very large navy sun hat. It's mm. like expensive. It's got mm. one of those like leather cords wrapped around it. It's hard to miss, you know, because you, you I feel like you as a starlet would know expensive hats. Mm. <laughs> yes. But this person and uh, their long sundress flutters away and you do not see them when you get to the bar area. Hmm. And you see Hyacinth shaking a martini for another customer. Uh, Hyacinth, what are you doing back there? And what are these birds? <sighs> it's all in a day's work. She does not elaborate. <laughs> um, Yele is getting a trash can and he's putting on gloves and like oh, very stinkily. Like, you know, he's trying to not look at it, put the birds in the trash. Ugh. Those birds, ugh, they, they reek. Ugh, I'm feeling, you know what? I'm feeling a little sick. I think I have to run to the powder room. Great. Are you going by yourself? Um, Hyacinth, would you mind assisting me? Oh, sure, me? sure. Yele, uh, she holds up her glass, drains it, and then says, I'll see you later. He says, cheers, Miss Carter. And he picks up his apron and continues to make drinks for other people. And you both go back the way you came, Maxine, back down that uh, starboard side to the restrooms, which are um, 
across the hall from Chin's galley area. And as they walk towards the bathroom, she goes, Hyacinth, I found out that Aster and Chin were perhaps thinking about leaving the boat. Interesting. How did Chin seem when she told you that? She seemed scared and that she shouldn't be talking about it. Something fishy is going on here. Oh, fish. Ugh. I think you mean something birdie. <laughs> no, but seriously, Ugh. those birds nearly killed me. I can't believe that. They just came flying at you? At, at me or the window. I don't I don't know what was behind me. I was busy making a drink. Oh, uh, you open the door to the ladies' room, and it is a palace. Oof. It is beautiful. It has a maroon chaise lounge with gold trim, big vanity mirrors, all the toiletries that you could need, and appliances. Oh, wow. I was not expecting this. I wasn't either. You know, some places have great bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> it shows the character of the owner. A good bathroom shows a good heart. Oh, and look at this. There's a blow dryer and a Dyson blow dryer. Dyson? <laughs> There's a Dyson. That's your brand? <laughs> yeah. Can you give us uh, maybe three fictional attachments <laughs> or features of oh, it? It's got, it's got the, the hair braider attachment and the crimp, the crimper attachment. And it's also got the big, big hair today attachment. Wow. All the attachments a girl could want. Uh, and she starts plugging it in immediately. Like she couldn't plug it in fast enough. Hyacinth lays down on the chaise. So it looks like you are engaging with your cozy move. <laughs> yes. So for folks who have not encountered this yet, it is when you have an intimate moment with another maven while one of you is engaged in your cozy activity and you each can clear your conditions. Great. And since it's your cozy activity, Maxine, you can mm -hmm. also stumble upon a clue. Oh, nice. So you can roll me again a d20. At a 16. 16. Okay, so you're in the bathroom. And just give me a, a little bit about uh, you blow drying your hair. Like, what are you doing? Like, Yes. So she has put on actually the diffuser attachment. And she has her, her head upside down, kind of like hanging with all her hair in front of her face. And she has it blowing on the top as she yells at Hyacinth. You see, this is how you get volume in there. You get you get a lot of volume if, if you get the air at the roots. <laughs> Hyacinth is like, yes, yes. Like shouting over how loud it is. Uh, yeah, you clear your condition because you are so delighted that she's having fun with her hair dryer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hyacinth doesn't get it, but is happy for her anyway. And because it's that Dyson model, it's quite loud. So you, you turn it off and you're kind of fixing your hair. And, you know, it's a very loud sound. So when it turns off, it's very significant. You can hear, you know, everything around you after that. You overhear a conversation. And it's coming from the farthest stall in the bathroom. You can't quite hear it from where you're standing. Hyacinth gets off the chaise. 
Now you both are tiptoeing over to yes. the last stall. <laughs> yes. Just one finger over. Eisen has one finger over her mouth, and and I I assume Maxine has the same, and they're they're sneaking. <laughs> yeah, on little tippy toes. What do you do when you get to the stall? I think just listen. We look to see if there's feet underneath. Do you look? I, I mean, I usually, if there's a conversation, I usually am just like, okay, how many people are in this bathroom? How many voices do I hear? But yeah, I'll look. You hear two, but there are no feet. What? They're standing on the toilet? Oh, and then is there a vent up above the toilet? Do you, do you open the door? <laughs> yes. So Maxine is bold. It opens the door. And yes, there is a vent above the toilet. Oh, so there's no feet because there's no people. <laughs> Can we hear from in the stall what the voice is saying? Oh, yeah. I told you, Harold, to cut her out of the will. I told you something would happen on this boat today. And if I lose all my money because of you. And you hear murmuring on the other side of a, a conversation. We can't tell whose voice it is. No. Harold, so help me. Hyson, do you know who Harold is? I have never heard of that man in my life. I don't think there's a herald on the boat. Maybe someone's on the phone. Well, we we, we heard the other side of the conversation. The person is here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which means our suspects are here. Cut out of the will. Yeah, it seems like there's a motive. I think we've discovered a reason for the crime. Well, there's plenty of motive here. The problem is... Problem is... Which motive? <laughs> well, it sounds like somebody who stood to inherit a significant amount of cash. Absolutely. And somebody was going to get less because of it. And they're upset because Aster died? Yes, because they would be exposed to some sort of exposure. They would be exposed to the being the culprit. <laughs> to the, the police and the legal system. You know, I'm going to say, I think... You said that uh, Chin told you mm. that she and Aster were going to leave and start a restaurant. How do you start a restaurant? With money. How oh. do you get money? Somebody dies. I just feel like we just need one or two more pieces of evidence because you know how that police chief never believes us unless we have... Unless we have evidence. And you can't accuse a twin of her sister's murder... Unless you're absolutely certain. That's in the rule book. You also can't accuse most people of murder unless you're absolutely certain, but I feel like it goes double for twins. That is wise, Hyacinth. <laughs> Just something I picked up in the academy. <laughs> We're going to cut to commercial there. <laughs> oh, Mom, look at that big truck. It's here! It's here! The big truck is here! It's full of surprises. Everything on the truck is a surprise. Because that's Surprise Incorporated. Here at Big Surprise Truck Incorporated, all you need is one phone call and $40, and we will arrive at your house with a big truck. And a surprise. And you just have to complete one questionnaire and then five payments of $49.99 and we'll show up with something special just for you. It will be surprising. It's always a surprise. I got a watermelon. I got a bunny. I got a fully featured VR rig. Whoa, 
It could be anything. It could be you. Get your surprise today. Surprises not included. Hey friends, it's Shannon, aka Maxine Mabel on Cozy City, and I am here to tell you all about our Patreon. Toot 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 on the Patreon Express. That's the train that's coming by. And let me tell you what's on this train. This train has a discord this strain has access to bonus games you know where we all play different systems like Morkborg. it has access to our streams it has a beverage car where on that beverage car you have access to a totally different show called fun chatty where we chat about the show and we chat about life you're gonna want to get on this train and in order to get on this train you're gonna have to buy a ticket one ticket at patreon.com slash fun city ventures. I think this analogy is really working. And while you're there, you want to check out the beverage cart, but you're also going to want to check out the merch car where we sell fun city shirts. That's right. We have merch. I'm sure you know this, but if you don't, I'm happy to be the messenger to tell you. We got really fun things up there, up on Cotton Bureau. Check it out and see you back on the cozy waters of Cozy City. Bye. So we're going to come back to the show and you two are sitting on the chaise lounge going over what you know so far. So first, clue one. Zoa's in debt. We know he inherited the fleet and we know he cannot keep it up because he does not have the money for it. Hmm... That gives him motive to want to make sure that perhaps his two employees that he maybe underpays stays on staff. And stays alive, more importantly. That is true. Clue two. We found a news article in the controls of the ship about the boats, about the Mr. Excellent boats, saying, you know, the circumstances of Zoa's inheritance were Mm -hmm. more clouded than we thought. Mm. And we did receive a clue about a will. Oh. There being a bit of a mix-up that someone was supposed to be cut out of the will and a herald was supposed to do it. Wait, hold on a second. We also got a clue about a shattered maroon brooch with the last name Adia etched onto it. Sounds like our twins might have been heiresses. You think? I mean, it's a theory. (gasps) And with one heiress gone. That's double the inheritance for the other. Ooh. (laughs) To think Aster got forcibly kicked out of the will (laughs) by dying. she died. By, the, oh, by dying. I yeah, was like, she died. you have another clue? And not to mention those birds. I don't know what they have to do with it, but those birds didn't sit well with me. <sighs> that is part of the void mystery, but yeah, okay. <laughs> Seems like something suspicious is going on here. I don't think this was a, a singer with a short life because of drugs and alcohol and f- fast living. No, I think we have a murder on our hands. Oh, and one more thing we hadn't talked about. 
I was in Chin's kitchen. Everything was so orderly and in place, yet on her checklist, there were some numbers sketched hastily in the, in the margin, as if numbers had to be taken down very quickly. Something about it just... Do you know how many numbers there were? No. Were there more than six? Yes. I think that's our inheritance. Could be. I think Chin's hands aren't as clean as they need to be to serve food, if you catch Ooh. my drift. Call the health inspector. I think we are. We're inspecting. <laughs> <laughs> Maxine, I think it's time we go somewhere we haven't been. The sun deck. Yes, I think many of the guests are there. We're better to find our suspects than out in the sun enjoying the weather. Great point. As you say that and you're heading up the stairs, the aforementioned storm clouds from the previous episode are getting closer and the sun is setting, but it is still kind of warm out. But yes, you are right. There are uh, more guests out on the sun deck uh, at this time. Because the bird incident really scared some people, so they wanted to have something with half an awning. It's kind of strange because someone had engaged the helipad, so some of the chairs have been hastily pushed aside so that more people can stand up there. And uh, there is a jacuzzi in the middle, there's a dumb waiter by the stairs, and yeah, there are little groups of guests who are sort of drinking and whispering to each other. Do we see anybody that looks especially notable? Um, Isabel is still up here, but this time she is speaking to a few other people. Hyacinth, last time I spoke with Isabel, she was a bit short with me. Do you think you can maybe talk to her? Sure. I'm going to go check out the dumb waiter. I don't know what you mean, but Okay. All right, the camera's going to follow Hyacinth approaching Isabel with a few people from her book club. Yeah, I thought that novel was quite dry. It was a real slog. I couldn't, really couldn't get through it. <laughs> but I made it. Oh, Isabel, hello. Oh, Miss Carter, hi. Did you happen, to, I did, did I overhear you talking about the latest um, Rooney Sally novel? Oh, it could have been better, really. I was looking forward to it. Oh, but she's young. She'll get better. I believe so, too. So how, 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 how are you feeling, you know, given the events? Well, after a few drinks from the gentleman downstairs and uh, reuniting with my book club here, uh, this is Dee Dee, Lily, and Mimi. Oh, ladies, Hello. They all sort of nod at you. They don't really say anything. They're just holding um, champagne glasses. Um, but it's tense. Like, they're all pretty spooked by the, by the bird incident and the dead body downstairs. Everybody's on edge. Yeah, you know, well, anything to get our minds off of uh, uh, what happened earlier. It's just so terrible. Yeah, it was. I wish I knew more about Aster and who she was. It feels, it feels uh, wrong that I only got to to know her music at the end of her life. Yes, yeah, such a shame. Such a shame. Did you know anything about her? I know. I know. I've you know. I know you know many things about Brindlewood Bay. 
and the people in it. <laughs> it's true. I've been trying to book both sisters at my next dinner party, but I guess they're under some kind of contract. A contract? That interferes with a dinner party? I know. It's just a dinner party. And we would pay them. Seems pretty stingy, if you ask me. I think so, too. <laughs> well, I guess I'm just going to have to find someone else to entertain at my next party. Well, if you need any suggestions, I'm sure I can come up with some people. Oh, that'd be so lovely. She is straightening her glasses, and you sort of notice that she kind of has some, like, jangly sounds as she does that. She As she adjusts her glasses, and... um. You know, you, you can hear something and uh, it clinks against her glass and she is getting a little um, champagne blush in her cheeks because usually she's very bookish. She does not. She's not very outgoing. Mm -hmm. Well, Isabel, um, I, I'm, I'm curious about about Chin and Aster. And I spoke to Chin earlier and she seemed pretty broken up about everything and her sister. I also found um, we, we I, on the ground. We saw this. I saw this brooch, and I, I tried to ask her about it, uh, and she was uh, immediately very upset because I think I think it had her last name on it. It was very. It looked very nice and very expensive. I don't know how it fell to the ground. Um, so you are digging a little deep where you were meddling. <laughs> Can you roll me two d six, please? Uh, sure. Because, you know, uh, Maxine had tried this same line of questioning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's 11. That's a five and a Whoa! six. Whoa, an 11. Now we're rolling. That is a straight up hit. So you are going to get a clue. So can you roll me a d20, please? Mm-hmm. Six. Interesting. Y'all are rolling <laughs> such interesting clues. <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> maybe I've had too many of these. And uh, Isabel sort of plops down onto one of the benches that has like, you know, those tie-on cushions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And as she plops down, um, you notice that the cushion's a little off and that there is something not letting it sit flush with the rest of the chair. I sent the notices, but doesn't say anything. Mm, I, I've had so many of these. Maybe I should start drinking some water. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Mimi, Didi, and Lily all like offer their hands to pick her up and they, they go down to go, maybe we should get some sparkling water. <laughs> uh, Hyacinth looks under the cushion once they've gotten an appropriate distance away. You have found stock certificates for... The Mr. Excellent Fleet. Why would they be there? Why are yeah? It's a strange, strange place. That's specifically not where you're supposed to put things like that. <laughs> uh, Hyacinth spirits them away. She puts them in her bag. Uh, we're gonna cut over to Maxine, who is poking around the dumbwaiter. Yeah. So Maxine is kind of. Not so gently trying to get the dumbwaiter door open. She doesn't know how to open it or how to even work it. Unfortunately, her training as a TV chef, again, was short-lived. They didn't really get to the dumbwaiter episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so you are actively searching for a clue. You're hoping to find something in there. It's pretty jammed. Do you have anything that can help you with this? Yeah, so Maxine is jammed. So she kind of like goes through and she's like looking on her person. She's looking in her bag and she pulls out her travel mug. And uh, she looks at the travel mug. She looks at the glass on the dumbwaiter. She looks at her travel mug and then she smashes it into the glass. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You roll 3d6 for me, please. uh, And take the two best from that. I'm going to do a good roll, please. This is a physical thing. So this was vitality. So use your vitality score. Oh, okay. So that is a total of 10. Oh my right, gosh, y'all go. are killing it. Yes. Finally, the good Finally. Finally. Um, can you roll me another d20, please? Yes. Seven. Number seven, you get your hand in there and open the latch, and there is a folio shoved in there. Because usually the dumbwaiter is for drinks, so it has a tray, but shoved to the side of it is a folio, and when you open it, it's a receipts for jewelry, furs, a sports car, really expensive stuff. Ooh, why is it in the dumbwaiter? Maxine is at the dumbwaiter and Hyacinth is sitting on the side on a bench. Maxine goes over to Hyacinth. Ah, uh, Maxine, have a seat. I found some interesting information in that dumbwaiter. Hyacinth flashes her stock certificates. So did I. Where'd you find those? Not in the dumb way. Just uh, actually underneath this bench that we're sitting on. Just under a cushion. What? Under the cushion? Yeah, it seemed like somebody was probably going to come back and get them very soon, but I got here first. Uh, <laughs> you both are interrupted by the familiar whoop, <laughs> siren heralding the arrival of Sheriff Darimple. <sighs> you him. both turn, turn to look. <laughs> Yes, we both turn to look. So you're on the sun deck, you're on the second floor, so you can see him pull up uh, with the Coast Guard. He's holding a megaphone up to his mouth with Edgar plugging his ears behind him. Everybody, stay calm. We're going to get you out of here and back home to the bay. And you hear sounds of relief as a few passengers wave their arms and handkerchiefs and hats in the air. And uh, they're all cheering. Everybody is so happy. You see Isabel, like, holding on to her three friends, just, like, red in the face. Like, oh, finally. Get me out of here. And in the hubbub of the excitement, it's almost hard to miss some faint lights in the distance. The sun has now set. It is night. Our camera starts to creep toward the blur. We pan across the moonlit sands to a small fire. The swish of ink-black heavy robes tied with frayed rope. Five hooded figures stand in a half circle, completely still. Their porcelain Greek masks almost glowing. All at once, they bend their knees and start to chant quietly, in an unfamiliar language. (laughs) 
They raise their voices as they move to lift an invisible weight. The chant repeats again at a low volume as they bring their hands back down. But with each subsequent lift, you hear their voices straining. The camera zooms away from them, but keeps the lens trained until they are inaudible. We smash cut down to the bottom of the water where the bay meets the ocean. A row of black, oily eyes open. You are now leaving Brindlewood Bay. Thank you for listening. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Fun City Ventures. This episode was recorded at various locations around Brooklyn, New York, and Los Angeles, California. It was produced by me, Jen De La Vega. Edited and sound designed by Sam Grant. Mixed and mastered by Mike Rignetta. I'm Bijan Steven. I play Hyacinth Carter in Cozy City. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Bijan Steven, on Mastodon <laughs> at Bijan at Mastodon.xyz, or on Twitch or Instagram or wherever. I mean, if you, if you look me up, just look, look it up, man. I'm there. I'm Shannon O'Dell. I play Maxine Mabel. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shodell. Pixel Riffs is the cigar that Sheriff Dalrymple smokes every night when reviewing case files. Our Discord mods are Olivia Gulen, Kelly McHugh, Kit Pulliam, and Kestrel. <laughs>